of You've Got the Power. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Deitch. Of course, I'm here with Chief Medical Officer of the Centeno Schultz Clinic, Dr. Chris Centeno. Happy Monday to you, Dr. Centeno. Happy Monday, Jason. Well, uh, as, uh, as another episode of, you know, you never know what's coming and the world is in a state of uh, who knows what these days. Uh, looks like we've been getting uh, some feedback from our loyal viewers, some not so loyal viewers, but people all over saying that uh, they've been receiving unsolicited messages uh, from people on Facebook. Potentially, I'm going to sort of assume trying to poach clients who are watching what they need to know about how to choose the right stem cell doctor and clinic. Uh, you've received the messages. You've been seeing what's going on. So why don't we kick off today's episode with buyer be beware, what's up, and what should people be paying attention to and looking out for? Yeah, so it's just interesting. I've gotten a couple messages now from patients who uh, will go on to either the the Centeno Schultz page or the Regenix page and like something. And uh, they will then get this unsolicited, unsolicited message from a sales rep for amniotic, quote, stem cells. And we'll talk about that, uh, i.e. those products have no stem cells. Um, and then basically claiming that they can get this stuff covered through Medicare and just give me the name of your family doctor and I'll reach out to him and I'll sell this stuff to him and he'll inject it into your knee and it'll regenerate all sorts of cartilage and, and make you all better. Now, you know, that's bizarre on a number of levels and problematic on a number of levels, not the least of which is that this person is sending unsolicited emails trying to poach people who have an interest in this stuff. So this is more of a kind of just heads up, this is happening out there. We see people who, if you watch videos like this, or if you like a page uh, that has something to do with regenics or regenerative medicine, they're going to target you for these scams. So it's it's good to know what's going on with these scams, and that they are scams, and that this is all uh, information that's not accurate. Uh, it would seem to be, I guess, uh, untasteful. There's always a difference. I teach a lot of doctors. Uh, how to use social media. I teach a lot of people how to use social media. Uh, and there's a big difference between what you can do and what you should do. <laughs> and most people don't know the distinction uh, that the idea of, you know, reaching out with, uh, and let's get into, you know, the, the concern about the actual product. If it was a superior product, I can almost make the argument that as a health professional, you're trying to help people and save people. But, uh, I'll be so kind as to sort of just say the right etiquette is to earn your own audience and, uh, you know, create value and find people that way. But in this particular case, uh, it is by far not a superior product. Uh, let's get into some detail about what it is besides the unscrupulous sales tactics. Uh, let's perhaps talk also about the actual product that they are pitching. Yeah, so again, if you read the blog, there's tons of information out there that I've put on this. But bottom line is that these umbilical cord amniotic products are not stem cell products. We've tested them. Uh, University of Col or sorry, uh, Colorado State University TMI has tested them. Uh, UC Davis has tested them. Uh, Cornell has tested them. We've all found the same things, and that is there are no living cells in any of these amniotic or umbilical cord products. 
uh, let alone living stem cells. So that's the first component of this. The second component of this is whether or not those things are covered by insurance. They are not. Uh, we've checked with every major uh, insurer uh, and looked those things up online, uh, including going so far as to call the local United Healthcare Medical Director uh, to get it double confirmed. And the answer is there's no coverage for this stuff when used to treat your knee arthritis or your shoulder pain or your back pain or your neck pain. It's not covered. Now, that's not to say that, that you can't get them to pay if they submit the right codes. Because you have to realize that whether it's Medicare or United Healthcare or anybody else, it's all an electronic system with millions of claims going back and forth each day. So no one's looking at this stuff. So if you submit the right codes in the right way, you will get it paid. The problem is there's something called a rack audit. And a rack audit was put in place in Medicare, for example, because they knew they were paying out billions of dollars each year that they shouldn't have paid. Uh, so there are these uh, reimbursement uh, consultants whose sole job it is to get money back that Medicare paid. So if you do get this stuff paid through Medicare, that money's coming back at some point. When the rack audit contractors uh, get a hold of it, that money's coming back, um, and then the doctor's going after your pocket to get that money because he's going to have to pay back by that time anywhere from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to Medicare, and he's got to get that money from someplace, so it's coming from you. Uh, and then the third issue is whether or not this stuff really has any ability to regenerate cartilage that this particular woman was selling has no data that it regenerates cartilage or helps a knee like that in any way, shape, or form. So we have kind of three uh, lies or misinformation pieces there that you need to know about. But the insurance reimbursement one is the most ridiculous because, uh, again, you can get paid all day long if you submit the right codes. Uh, but if you willingly do that, as the doctor, you go to federal prison. Uh, if you're doing it unknowingly, then you just owe the money back with interest, and that's a real problem for you as the patient. Typically, patients will sign uh, something that says that you'll be responsible for the portion that's not covered. Uh, should it be that it ends up that uh, it's all not covered, uh, even after the fact, uh, that would be again on you. Now, there are some employers who are offering coverage specifically for Regenex procedures, and that's a unique and special relationship that the Regenex uh, corporate program has been working for several years on, uh, which now has roughly 8 million lives covered. Now, the distinction is this would not be a Medicare or a health insurance program. You wouldn't call your Unita, Edna, or Cigna, or whatever uh, insurance program you might have. It is directly with your employer. If you'd like to find out if you or a family member or someone you know uh, has coverage specifically for Regenex procedures at Regenex offices um, and specifically provided by your employer, you could go to our brand new website at regenexcoverage.com. Once again, that's regenexcoverage.com. We'll put a link down below if you would like to find out if your employer is forward thinking enough and smart enough to be covering you as one of their employees. 
Dr. Centeno, or I should say, if viewers are watching, just to let you know, we are now on a 30-minute format. If you're watching and you've got questions, we will be closing up at the end, I'd say the bottom of the hour as opposed to the top of the hour, wherever you're uh, watching from. So now is the time if you have questions to ask Dr. Chris Centeno. For those of you that may be new to this program, Dr. Centeno really is the foremost expert on these procedures to the degree that uh, over 15 years ago, he really is the inventor of this category of orthobiologics, using your body's own stem cells to help your body heal from specifically orthopedic conditions that you may be suffering from. And wouldn't you know it, we've got a question, so let's get right to it. Uh, this was submitted a little bit earlier by Tina Butler. Uh, she says, I need a TFCC repair. I'd like to try this and the PRP. I've already had an ulna shortening surgery. How long after that do I need to wait to do this for TFCC? So first off, what is that? And then let's answer her question as well. Yes, the TFCC is basically almost like a meniscus that lives in uh, this part of the hand, so on the outside area of the hand there. And it's one of the things that helps you use uh, efficiently an opposable thumb. Uh, it, so being like a meniscus, it's a piece of fiber cartilage. Uh, it can get injured or torn up. We treat lots of TFCC tears. So uh, a guided injection with either PRP or bone marrow concentrate, uh, they usually respond very, very well. In fact, I, I've had one on this hand. Uh, so I know that through personal experience, I, I had a fall and I fell onto it. Uh, and in addition, it's usually associated with quite a bit of ligament laxity in the ligaments around the wrist. Those are usually treated to tighten those up as well. Uh, so how long should you wait after that surgery? We're going to want that. I mean, uh, an ulnar shortening is when they go in and physically shorten this bone. So that's going to take a, a good two months to, to really get reasonable, three months to mostly heal. So I really wouldn't do it before two or three months. Uh, in addition, uh, you want to see how that surgery goes and if you get any relief from it before pulling the trigger on something like this. Yeah, and uh, uh, would it be fair to say that that would be another example of we wish you knew you, we knew you before, um, that uh, it's certainly possible that... Yeah. Yeah. So this. Yeah. This, I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so ulnar shortening. You know, the concept is that this ulna bone is too long, and then that that's what's putting pressure on the TFCC. Um, you know, the only concerns or issues there is that obviously you've had that ulna bone your whole life, um, and at some point your TFCC becomes a problem where you're getting pain in this area. So in our clinical experience, normally the patients don't need to go through the ulnar shortening part of that. But since you have already, we're happy to help with step two. There you go. And uh, I just say that this is another example of if you are a loyal viewer, if you or you happen to you know find this uh, program wherever you may be watching, uh, you know our motto is that everyone knows someone who's suffering. Uh, and the challenge is most of us sort of default to, you know, I'll mind my own business. I don't want to get in interfere with somebody else's issues and so on. Um, and unfortunately, too many people do end up taking the path of their 
primary doctors that are often just simply trained and incentivized through a variety of reasons uh, to recommend drugs and surgery. That is their focus, that's their bread and butter, that's their training. Uh, and that is what, in many cases, they honestly believe is the right choice. Uh, and often it is a matter of people who do learn, they understand the dangers of drugs, the risks of surgeries, and have experience with using these different types of orthobiologic procedures that do help the body heal itself. And it's oftentimes up to us to share those experiences or at least introduce people to an opportunity to learn more about their condition through a program like this. So if you're watching and you know someone, please uh, don't just keep it to yourself and be shy. Too many people end up under the knife or drug addicts. Uh, unfortunately, these drugs are very addictive. And in many cases, there's something that we can do about it. That's one of the reasons we do this program is to introduce people to ask their own questions directly from Dr. Centeno. All right, uh, Stephanie's asking a question. She says, what's the difference between your PRP procedure versus a local independent office's PRP procedure? And by procedure, I mean the centrifuge process. Yeah, the biggest difference is if you look at, well, let's learn a little bit about PRP first. Uh, so PRP is platelet rich plasma. So that's taking your own blood, removing the uh, healing platelets within the blood, uh, resuspending those in plasma and concentrating them. Now, uh, there's two different types, two different main types for injection. There's other types as well, but for injection, there's two types. One type is red and that's uh, leukocyte uh, rich. So it's got white and red blood cells in it. The other side, the other type is amber, and that's got a few red blood cells, few white blood cells. And of those two, the red ones tend to be more pro-inflammatory, the amber ones uh, less pro-inflammatory. Then you get into concentration. So we'll use the amber stuff, usually leukocyte poor, but we can make the red stuff if we need to. For example, in the intra, uh, in Inside a uh, lumbar or cervical disc, there's some thought that the red stuff may actually be better because it prevents infection better than uh, the leukocyte poor stuff or the amber stuff. Then you get into concentration, and that's really where the big differences uh, come into play. Um, we routinely use concentration that you can't get to with a little bedside centrifuge. So, so the average doctor using one of those machines can usually get to a three to five X concentration. He rarely has the ability to dial that in, meaning that he gets what he gets. Um, and in some patients it's less, in some patients if it's more, there's no way to control that. Uh, what we have found is that uh, older cells tend to work better with higher concentrations of PRP so as an example, uh, if you're in your 50s and you get a knee injection, we're going to use 14x to 20x. That's just not achievable with uh, the little bedside machines. In addition, let's say you do have a little bedside machine that can go ahead and change that. Uh, um, the problem is that not only can't you get that high, but if you attempt to get anywhere near that, it's going to pull in red and, and white blood cells. So there's one system an Arthrex Angel, and you can kind of say, hey, I want a higher concentration of platelets. The problem is you're also pulling in red blood cells and white blood cells with that. And there's just, that's just the way the machine works. There's no way to get around that. So if you want 
uh, a PRP without red and white blood cells, meaning the amber type rather than the red type, that's highly concentrated. It doesn't exist in any machine that's out there. So again, you know, there's lots of differences between what we can do in the flexible lab platform that we have in each one of these Regenix sites and what the average doctor can do. It's like the difference between uh, a Chevy and a Rolls Royce. I mean, we've got much, much more flexibility on our side to make exactly what the patient needs. And the doctor who has one of those little bedside machines generally is in a one-size-fits-all situation. Uh, like I say, when it comes to Regenix procedures, uh, you can either look for the cheapest option somewhere else, or you can look for the best option available, and that would be the Regenix platform and affiliate network. Uh, Stephanie has a follow-up question. Uh, it says, what's the risk of getting discitis or osteomyelitis from a PRP or stem cell injection into your spine? And what damage does it cause to your discs? There's several here, so I'm going to go on with several and take them as you like. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it treatable by antibiotics? Does it cause irreparable damage to your spine? And then she follows up with, do you treat carpal tunnel? You want me to repeat any of those or you got it? So let's, let's get into, no, I got it. So let's get into discitis first. Um, so the, the normal risk of discitis, so let's define discitis. So when you inject a disc, uh, uh, we now know, and this is relatively new information in the last one or two years, that your low back or cervical discs actually have a whole microbiome, just like other parts of your body have locked bacteria. So do your discs. Uh, now, when that bacterial balance is upset, and it's usually upset in the direction of what's called P. actis, so that's a, a certain type of bacteria, discitis. And when does that happen? Uh, it happens about one in 200 times with an injection, pretty much any injection of the disc. And in looking at the more recent data of trying to, to look at high-dose red PRP injected into a disc, with a specific antibiotic, that can probably reduce it to one in 500. So, but there's still a one in 500 chance that if we inject PRP into your disc, that you will get discitis. Uh, what happens if you get discitis? You usually need antibiotics. You sometimes need surgery. So it's not a good day for anybody when that happens. One of the reasons why we'll stay out of the disc, unless there's a convincing reason to treat the disc. Um, and then we'll accept as long as the patient understands that one in 500, very small risk of discitis. Um, if you get discitis, can it damage your disc? It certainly can. Uh, does just injecting PRP damage your disc? Uh, there is no data that shows that. In fact, there's more data that would go the opposite direction right now, that the PRP would help your disc, not damage it. Uh, but again, it's another good reason to get this done by someone that knows what they're doing, because we would use little 25-gauge needles to get into the disc uh, in order to reduce any damage of the injection. And some people use much, much bigger needles and the bigger needle you use, the, the more damage you get. Uh, um, and then our carpal tunnel syndrome, yes, we treat that. Uh, we'll use either platelet lysate, uh, usually platelet lysate or PRP. Um, again, only that amber stuff uh, around uh, uh, the median nerve under ultrasound guidance to try to break up any adhesions around the nerve. And that's pretty successful. I, you know, I used to send a couple patients a year for uh, carpal tunnel release surgery. Um, I haven't sent a patient for carpal tunnel release surgery now uh, 
in years. So I, I can't say it's 100% because nothing's 100%, but I can say that it, it works very well. Outstanding. And uh, that's a surgery most want to avoid if they can. It's, uh, that, that's an irreversible one in many cases. Uh, a lot going on in that one area. And uh, if you can avoid that one, <laughs> you want to do that. All right. We're coming towards the uh, bottom of the hour. But our friend Tom Walsh is asking, is there now only one Regenix partner in Europe? Yes, Tom. Uh, for at least right now, there's only one Regenix partner in Europe uh, that's in the U. Uh, we always are looking for new partners. So if you know people, uh, you know, our biggest issue is they've got to pass a minimal set of criteria and they have to be willing to come here to train. So the guys that we have in the UK were fantastic. They, I don't know how many trips they took back and forth to Denver. It was pretty amazing actually to see how many trips they took back and forth. You know, they kept popping up the clinic. I'm like, wow, you're here again? You're in the UK. Thank God there was a direct flight, and they must have had some miles or something. But, um, yeah, so uh, they're great guys. They, they really took it very seriously um, and trained very well. Folks in Europe who uh, would be interested in this stuff, let us know, and we'll see if they've got the base training to be a Regenix provider and if they're willing to make that kind of commitment to get on a plane uh, as many times as these guys did. And a commitment it is, and it's a commitment really to being a best service to you. Uh, you know, there's lots of people making lots of noise out there, but for doctors, our best, uh, best marketing, I shall say, is getting great results and, and really focusing on being the top quality practitioner you can be. Uh, and that requires ongoing training. There's a difference between uh, having 20 years of experience and one year of experience 20 times. Uh, so you want to make sure that people are always learning the latest science, latest research, latest technology, and really staying on the cutting edge. And that's exactly what happens when you're working with the Regenix network. Uh, in our final minute, Doc, do you want to share something about Regenix coverage and what people uh, really you know, should look for? Who are the type of people that should be you know, reaching out, finding if they finding out if they have coverage, so that they can really take advantage of the coverage that's available for them to get the care that they need. Yeah, if you uh, work for a specific uh, company or even uh, a government agency, because we have uh, coverage with school systems, we've got coverage with uh, city governments, etc. Uh, you want to go to RegenixCoverage.com and see if your employer covers this stuff. And, and even if uh, your employer has not extended coverage, then you can go to the next step of trying to submit your employer's name and contact information for the HR person. And you know we'll give that uh, lead to the corporate sales team so they can go out and try to see if they can convince your employer that this is far cheaper than paying for all these expensive surgeries uh, and that's really what's in it for them. There's substantial cost savings to the employer. Obviously, it's better for you because it's less invasive, so it's a win-win. Win-win all around. That's what it's all about. And uh, you got you got to do the work to find out those places these days. The world is uh, upside down and bizarro, and what you would think would be the standard of care, unfortunately, uh, these days has put profit over people, and that's just unfortunately too bad. But that's why we do what we do. And, you know, thankfully to programs like social media and these types of formats, we are able to connect and communicate. 
but people don't learn without your help. So please, we ask you as we close our program for today, if there are people that you know that are suffering from some sort of orthopedic condition, something in any of the joints of their body, from their neck all the way down to their toes, uh, and everything in between as it relates to orthopedic problems and joints, then find out if a Regenix procedure might be right for you. Uh, that's our show for today. We're on a abridged 30-minute format, lots to do. So if you've got questions we didn't get to today, please join us on Friday. We'll be broadcasting live from the Regenix Facebook page, Monday from Centeno Schultz, Friday from Regenix. Every day we're here, of course, to be at, of service to you to make sure that you're getting the care that you need if you know anyone that does need help. You can leave a comment below or you can just contact the Centeno Schultz Clinic directly at your convenience. Dr. Centeno, I'll let you get back to, I know, a very busy day. Uh, on behalf of Dr. Chris Centeno, everybody at the Centeno Schultz Clinic, we thank you for watching. We'll see you on Friday at the Regenix page. Until then, stay well and be kind, everyone. Thank you for watching.